When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Brandt Bernard, and Mike Molina. And we will be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. And it's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. God, it's all religious today. Melina's trying to get you back to church, Tom. He is. He's all, he's all faithful. Well, remember a couple of years back, you guys went to the vigil. Yes. Oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> three hour, three hour service for Easter. The Easter vigil. That's what's on tap I for said, me tomorrow night. 
Yeah, tomorrow night. Oh, you're going to the eight-hour mass? Yep. (laughs) Wonderful. Fantastic. you got to bring a pillow. That was too long. (laughs) That was a long time. It was. Honestly, got three hours. I couldn't believe it. I thought, well, we'll be out of here in about 45 minutes. They were like, honey, let's go to church. (laughs) Okay, let's try it out. We stumble into a three-hour mass. (laughs) Three-hour mass, man. The three-hour tour. So we figured we were good for a couple of years. <laughs> exactly. It was nice. Got a little long, but it was nice. It was nice. A little long. Oh, my God. Audience members for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert are already familiar with Paul Mercurio. He has served as a warm-up act before the cameras roll ever since the show debuted. Those who have never been to a taping get a chance this weekend to see how the lawyer-turned-comic pumps the crowds up during his three-night stint at Rick Bronson's House Comedy at the Mall of America. The first half of Thursday's one-hour performance was a simulation of what he does in New York. No pre-prepared jokes, just engaging the room with a barrage of questions about marital status, career choices, and whatever else pops into his acerbic mind. No one is safe, unlike other comics who work the crowd. Mercurio doesn't limit his engagement to the front row. He reaches into the cheap seats, even bringing folks up on stage for selfies and a pat on the back. One audience member who handed Mercurio a caricature he had sketched from his seat was rewarded with a complimentary beer. I want people to feel like they're hanging out in somebody's basement and I'm kind of a ringleader. Mercurio said after the show, when you bring her a beer up on stage, it's like someone bringing a beer from the kitchen. For those who want a taste of being in the Late Show audience, Mercurio has two shows, both tonight and tomorrow night at the Mall of America. Just be prepared to spend some time in the spotlight. And what I love about it, there are zero comments on the article because they're afraid that he'll comment back. Oh. Zero comments. You think he'd bother? Yes, I do. (laughs) I think if you took a shot at Paul Mercurio, you're going to take a shot back. So I find out this morning, I got a a nice email from the Pavic Museum, which is the the history, uh, what the hell is it called? The Minnesota Minnesota Broadcasting Hall Mm -hmm. of Fame, the Pavic Museum. Right. Right there in St. Louis Park. In St. Louis Park, yep. I'm being inducted uh, September 22nd, which is a Saturday night. Ooh. They sent me out the list of people I'm being in, in, inducted with. Uh-oh. It's a disaster. <laughs> I knew it. The complete and John Hines got in last year, which is great. Paul Majors got in last year. I can't remember who else did. Uh, Joe Souchere, I think, got in last year, which is sure, great. Sure, that would make sense. Um, so who do I get to go into the Hall of Fame with? Mm, <sighs> I don't know. Brittany. Jeff Passolt. Ah. Uh, what the hell is that? That's good. John Linder's going in. He uh, John Linder's been around Mankato for years, and he, he's been, uh, yeah, I've got over 40 years for sure, I know, but John Linder's going in. Robin Robinson, that should be really good because she's not exactly a fan of mine. So that should be comfortable. Whatever. But she worked with Passolt for years, so he'll probably, we'll just put him in the middle. So, but they've asked you to be in it. Before, right? They asked me to be in it for about the last uh, 30 years. And why did you say yes this time? Uh, because I, I, they were nice enough. A- actually, Dan Seaman, who is the chief of, I don't know, I don't know if he's vice president of radio division for Hubbard Broadcasting, where I started my my big time career, I guess, is, you know, I, I worked at some smaller stations before then. One uh, in Newmarket, Minnesota, the studio, the studios were in St. Paul. Did you know the first time I was ever on the air was in St. Paul, Molina? Huh? huh. I, my career started in St. Paul, actually. 
because the radio side of the Hubbard building, which is, is divided by Minneapolis and St. Paul, half of the buildings in Minneapolis, half of the buildings in St. Paul, but the radio part that I worked at, 1500 KSTP, was on the St. Paul side of the line. So I, I started at KDAN, New Market, Minnesota, but the studios were in the Metro Square building in downtown St. Paul. Is that still there even, Metro Square building? Uh, I, they must have renamed it if it's still around. Yeah, probably renamed it. Yeah. yeah, it was not that old a building, so they probably renamed it. But, yeah, the studios were at the Metro Square building. That's where I started my career. Then I went to Grand Forks for about six months. And then I came back and started working at KSTP and Dan Seaman, who was the – I think his title is Vice President of, of Broadcasting, or Radio, Vice President of Radio for Hubbard Broadcasting, was the one that asked me if, uh, since I went in, into the National Broadcasting Hall of Fame, that if, if you know, he said, don't you think you should, you should do this? And I said, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, because I don't want to make it look like I don't care about Minnesota's Hall of Fame. I was just really uncomfortable, and I'm still uncomfortable about being in Halls of Fame and all of that. But since the national one, and it was, you know, Mike McVeigh, who is the executive vice president of, of programming for Cumulus, and and Doug Hammond and Scott Jamison and all those people. So I said, yeah, I, I would love to be in the Minnesota Hall of Fame now. I just, I don't know, but, you know, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the, as soon as they started putting in acts that had nothing to do with rock and roll, I was like, well, the Hall of Fames are all BS. So that's why I didn't do it for the longest time. But now it's time. And they also said, uh, if you don't want to be in, that's fine. But as soon as you die, we're going to put you in anyway. So so there you go. You might as well enjoy the <laughs> you may, evening. You may as well come to the dinner. So <laughs> if we're going to put you in eventually anyway. So, no, it was really nice. I mean, we're supposed to be competitors, I guess. But, um, yeah, Dan uh, set the whole thing up and, you know. I don't know. I, there's there's some things about Hall of, Halls of Fame I'm not wild about, like you know Bobby Bones being such a pain in the ass at the thing, and and John Records Landecker just going on and on and on and on. It's like, would you shut Moment up? Moment in the would sun. You? Yeah, I guess. And then there there are some people that put themselves in the Hall of Fame, which really pisses me off. Oh, can I do that? They get on the board of the Hall of Fame and then they put themselves in the Hall of Fame. That's the way to do <laughs> what? it. Figure out the system. Yeah, I guess so. You figure it out. But, yeah, Passolt and I are going in in the same year, and I suppose that makes sense since... Uh, yeah, you two have been on the air for a long time together. Well, plus the fact I, I played football with him at Cliff Siegel, now Lawrence Siegel's house, uh, when he was like 17 years old because I knew his older brother. So, yeah, Robin Robinson's going in, John Linder's going in, Passolt and I, and I'm going in uh, September 22nd. Is Robin Robinson still around? I think she sells jewelry or something now. She, oh, so her she's own out line. of the business completely? I think so. I, I think she does her own line of jewelry now or something. Oh. On QVC uh, or something? Not QVC. Yeah, What's going I, on in Minnesota? one of those deals. Yeah, one of them. I don't know. But uh, she, I, I don't know. She, whatever. Whatever. That's all I've got to say is whatever. So that's coming up, and uh, going in with pass, it'll be like, oh, God, I'm going to be... This year says she's on WBBM AM. Oh, oh is that... that uh, that's, uh, and WVON. What are those? WVON is the voice of the Negro. 
Is it? What? That's what WVON stood for. That, but that's in Chicago, isn't it? Uh, yeah, she's in Chicago now. Oh, I didn't know. So she is on WVON. Yeah, VON stood for Voice of the Negro. Now it stands for Voice of the Nation, but it's still the same. <laughs> oh, they changed it's still it the same thing. Voice of the Nation. So it's a it's a black radio station in Chicago. Yeah, and then WBBM is also in Chicago, and it's an AM station. Yes, seems to be general. Yeah, news radio. Oh, interesting. Well, that's good. She'd be fine there. Yeah, she. Uh, uh, that's it's the voice of the nation now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that old one would be appropriate any longer. Well, it's what it, that's why it was named WVON. I'm sorry, but that's why it was named that. Voice of the Negro. Which, <laughs> I, to tell you the truth, I'd be pissed off if they changed that thing if I were black, because it was like, well, wait a second, they. Jumped out there and took a chance, and uh, you know, black people stepped up there and said, "Hey, this is all about being a, a Negro. It's about being black." Back, I, I think, it, didn't it start in the '40s or something, Andy? WVON. I think it was in the '40s when it started. Maybe the '50s, but I mean, people put uh, 26. 20, 26. Well, it began as WHFC. Oh yeah, that's different. Hotel yeah. Flanders, Chicago. You're right. Um, when did it become WVON? Sixty-three. Yeah, so there you go. Nineteen sixty-three. A bunch of people got together. Black people got together, uh, and they named it WVON for that very reason. So I don't know if I. I wouldn't go with Voice of the Nation. Go with what it what it stood for, because you should be very very proud of that, don't you think? Just everything's so political. You can't make. I know comments. that's the whole problem. You can't, you can't so get inside political. their heads at all. Honest to God. How about Arnetta the Mood Setter? Is she in the Hall of Fame yet? Who? I Melina, doubt it. Melina, have you ever played Arnetta the Mood Setter on this show? No. Yes. I think I, we. You sure we haven't? Several times. Oh. We have, Andy? Oh, yeah. Well, could Melina find it? Yeah, I, I know it's on YouTube somewhere. Okay. Arnetta the Mood Setter quit. She, she's a black woman who quit her job on the air. <laughs> was talking about, I'm not putting up with it anymore. And I don't want to say how she finally did quit on the air because it's, it's really, how you doing, girl? How you looking good, girl? And then and then as soon as they you turn your back on them, they go, that bitch. <laughs> it's actually very, very funny. I just hit on clickbait, I think. I just, they, it they happens. Per, Pernell Roberts blurted out why he left Bonanza. <laughs> but that uh, was only about a thousand years ago. I, I just hate that so much when you're looking for a news story and you, you just you click on the story and you end up on a ad site. It makes me insane. I know. I hate that so much that they it, it dumps you into into commercials. Yes, you're absolutely right. It should not happen, but uh, it does happen, and that's just the way life is. I guess. I don't know. What what, <laughs> what, what can I say? Life is. Um, is David Crow coming in this hour? Doesn't look like it. Yeah, I thought I'm so, sure David was coming. Maybe he's just late. No, he's David's a comedian. You never know. David's a good guy. I get along with David really, really well. I mean, it's not like we're friends or anything, but uh, he was on the morning show this morning, so I assumed he would be coming in to do this show as well. But uh, I don't know. Maybe they didn't tell him. Who knows? They, things have changed over there because... Uh, yes, they have. The woman that you liked left. Sarah? Yes. Yeah, so, I yeah, know. Yeah, Sarah left. Yeah, she was there a long time, and though. And things haven't quite been the same there since for no. booking since she left. No, so. they haven't. I'll have to get that. I, does Derek do the booking now? 
That's who she's referred me to, but I don't have any of his contact information. Well, that's going to be kind of hard to do. I think uh, Cassie might. To do that, then. Is yeah. Oh, Cassie might. Yeah, okay. No, but David Crow is a very nice guy. We're here. There, he's a guy. He's at Acme this weekend. He's got shows tonight, eight and ten thirty, and tomorrow night, eight and ten thirty as well. But he was he was born in uh, Waconia, Minnesota. But then the, the family moved, I believe, out to Seattle rather soon after that. But there is a guy. He's flying to Tokyo to get on a cruise ship. God, I wish you were in here to tell you, and hopefully you will show up at some point. But um, a cruise ship from Tokyo up. Uh, it was just this bizarre thing, but you think, honest to God, he's, he, he's been up in Alaska. He tours Canada a lot. Now, his family originally was from Canada. Well, again, his family originally was from, I think, Ireland or something, and then they moved to British Columbia, and then they moved to Minneapolis, then they moved to Seattle, and I, whatever the situation. But he has got, he's got a fascinating background. But he is constantly like an... Alaska and Tokyo and all over the world. I mean, so I don't know how the hell he does it. I don't know how on earth. That's how he makes his men money. Why? Well, Got to do it. I understand that, but good God. The language you use shapes others' impressions of you, but there's a chance that some of you, your most common words, don't put you in the best light. In fact, I've already typed one of them that can do that. It's the word but. A simple conjunction that's nearly impossible to avoid, yet potentially damaging to your brand and your reputation, even if in subtle ways. Typically, but follows a more positive statement and uh, signals a note of disagreement, opposition, or confused thinking that's just around the corner. Of course, sometimes uh, you sometimes will need to register your objections at work. That much is inevitable, but... There may be a better way to do that than just to stick butt into your remarks and launch into your critique. Uh, let's see if you agree with these, all right? Because right? I don't know that I'm going to. Matter of fact, we do have to take a break here in a second, so I will get to that uh, when we come back. But I'm going to see if you, when you need to disagree or a new way to say but, agree to disagree, I don't know. We'll be right back. We'll talk about this. Tom Bernard Show. This is Tom for Flow. For the past 35 years, Flow's passion to invent a better way has created some of the finest recreational products available. Flow's Cargo Max trailer line is a perfect example of their innovation. This trailer is redefining the utility trailer industry. They start with a strong aluminum frame and then add a thermoform polymer bed. It gives you a nearly indestructible one-piece trailer body. And since it's molded, it adds style that the trailer industry has never seen. They even beat it with a large sledgehammer at 20 below zero to prove how tough it is. Best of all, you'll never worry about dents, rust, rot, or paint. Visit their website at floeintl.com to find your local dealer and to see videos of this unique trailer, including a video showing hockey star Ryan Suter shooting pucks at it, trying to break it. You'll quickly see how Flow has earned the reputation for quality products and offering you more for your money. Flow, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and those unwanted pounds are going fast. I've lost over 34 pounds. Nutramost is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost of Plymouth is hosting a second free informational dinner. Learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramost client and owner, 
who played nine years in the NHL and is an agent to some of the NHL's current top players, will be at the dinner, and so will I, actually. It's Monday, April 30th, 6 p.m. at Jake City Grill in Plymouth, located around the corner from Nutramost, just off Highway 55 and 494. Space is limited. Call 763-333-7337 to register. That's 763-333-7337. It's our nut of the move set, and I told you I had a very important announcement, and here it is. I refuse. I refuse to walk around and watch people on my job, looking over my shoulder, people lying to me, people talking about me. It's ridiculous. It is sad. I can't take it. I'm not going to take it. I don't have to take it. I'm not a dummy. I know how to find another job, but I refuse to walk around people. You can say what you want to say about me, and if you see me on the street, I'll let you know whatever you want to know. But I refuse. For the last six years, I made $6 an hour. That ain't nothing. I just got a raise after six years. I know I'm qualified, and after saying this, I don't care if I ever get another job in radio, period. It does not matter to me. But we, I never will not be setting the mood at BLX no more. I refuse to walk around with people that'll speak to you. Hey, I never. How you doing? But then as soon as you walk by that bitch, I will not do it to myself anymore. So if you're confused about what I'm saying, listen very carefully. I quit this bitch. Come on, bitch. <laughs> I, I agree with her. Six dollars an hour is ridiculous for six years. I love Arnett of the mood setter. <laughs> I quit this bitch, and immediately the the, the engineer, yeah. you're listening to WBLX. That's great. Arnetta the Mood Setter. That was her name. Arnetta the Mood Setter. Hi, girl. How you doing? How's everything going? But as soon as they get by it, dead bitch. <laughs> I think I'm familiar with that. Uh, I love Arnetta. <laughs> Unbelievable. I just looked at a headline here that's uh, that's not accurate. It says, for the first time, an NFL team will have male cheerleaders. Well, that's not true because I know the Kansas City Chiefs had male cheerleaders. And there was another team that had, had male cheerleaders, but I can't. The L.A. Rams, I think it was. I think it was the Los Angeles Rams. Why do people care? I know. Who cares? First of all, there are teams that have never had cheerleaders and never will have cheerleaders. We talked about uh, the New York Giants, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Detroit Lions. I don't think they've ever had cheerleaders, men or women. So, I don't know. There's a headline that says, for the first time an NFL team will have male cheerleaders. Well, that's not true. So, I I don't know what to tell you. I love the... Maybe you guys can explain these to me, because I don't understand them. Here are a few strange ways people celebrate Easter in other countries around the world. In Australia, rabbits are considered pests that destroy crops and land, so some companies now make chocolate bilbies for Easter instead of bunnies. A bilby is an endangered marsupial that's also known as a rabbit-eared bandicoot. Wasn't a bandicoot a rat? No. Oh, bandicoot's not a rat? I thought it was a rat. It's like Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, Crash Bandicoot. What is Crash Bandicoot? Um... It's, um... It's a hard to define. It's this thing. Yeah, it sort of looks like a mouse rabbit. Yeah. 
Oh, Australia so. has a lot of animals that look like a cross between a mouse and a rabbit. Okay, explain this to me. Why does Australia have so many different animals that you can't find anywhere That's, else? Well, because they're so isolated. It's like, how are they going to get anywhere else? Too but far to saying, swim. So they just they they just kind of develop that way. Yeah, I guess. Must be the platypus do, must have something to do with evolution and just their. I guess. I don't know. And for a long, long me. time, no one ever left Australia. They just went there, so they didn't have a chance to spread across the world. That's true. That is true. All right, I'm saving Florence, Italy for last, by the way. Florence, Italy is my favorite. Ways to celebrate uh, Easter. Bermuda, on Good Friday, people fly colorful kites on the beach to symbolize Christ's resurrection and ascension into heaven. So that's what they're doing in Bermuda right now. On Good Friday, they're flying colorful kites. So good for them. In Hungary, on Easter Monday, people in Hungary do something called sprinkling, where boys and girls playfully sprinkle perfume, cologne, or water on each other. Hmm? What the hell is that? Oh, cologne, cologne. Cologne, cologne. In Greece, on the morning of Holy Saturday, people on the island of Corfu in Greece throw pots and pans and other pottery out their windows and smash them on the street. That sounds safe. And why would they do that? Uh, Out with the old, in with the new. What does that have to do with the resurrection of your pots and pans like Christ? Call Kostaki. And why, yeah, Kostaki should <laughs> let us know. <laughs> why doesn't he get a hold of Kostaki? Is that David? Uh, yeah. David, yeah. 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 David, how are you? Good. I, I was waiting in your green room. <laughs> oh, you were? Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Oh, damn. Well, well, how much time do you have? I, I hope have you don't have to go. Skeleton crew, because it's Easter. Do, do you, how much time do you have before you, before you have to go, David? I have some time, sure. No problem. Well, good, because so, uh, we got about, you know, like 20 minutes left in this in this hour, so if you could stay for like one more segment next hour, can you Perfect. do that? Perfect. Oh, yeah. Easily. Oh, phenomenal. And then I'll call Kostaki and get the answer. Well, you're going to call Kostaki Konomopoulos and find out why yep. they throw pots and pans and other pottery out their windows and smash them on the street on Holy Saturday. Right, okay. Well, for one, it's not in Greece. It's in the island of Corfu. It's Corfu, yes. Um, and for two, it's not pots and pans. It's pots as in clay pots. Well, it says pots, pans, and other pottery. Pans aren't pottery. And I know. But All right. So Let's not get hung in, up on correct. weird things. Oh, but I mean, throwing out a bunch of different like copper and iron pans is a lot different. Than throwing out clay. But why do they do it? Clay stuff. Uh, that is still up for debate. We're going to have to call Kostaki. I'm just telling you. We're going to have to find <laughs> out. We saved this one for last. So, so David, what, what is your, your, I guess, for your family, a nation of origin? I know. Uh, uh, British. Canada. 100% British. 100% British. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. They would never do anything so foolish as to throw pots and pans out the window. (laughs) Because I'm mostly British as well, although the name Barnard is a Scottish name, so I I guess I'm a... My mom has uh, her last name, maiden name was Connolly, so there's some some Irish descendant somewhere in there, but uh, all my grandparents were British. And they moved to, to... British Columbia? <laughs> well, yeah, my dad's did. Uh, my mom moved to Saskatoon when she was 12. Oh, that's right, Saskatoon. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I love that word. Yes. I had a, I had a friend that played uh, in the CFL up in Saskatoon, as a matter of fact. Oh, that's right. He, they, said he, he, he said he really liked it. Yeah, it's a lovely town. It feels like a village. 
Yeah, yeah. he said that's, that's exactly it. It feels like a village. But he loved playing in the CFL. He played in the NFL for a couple of years, and then he went up and played in the CFL for several years. He said the only problem with the CFL was that if you got hurt, you had to wait about nine months to get surgery because of the health care system. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't get you in right away. Right. So uh, it's kind of harmful to your football career. But, but you can you know. fly direct to Cuba from there to get the surgery straight away for cash. And a good, and a good cigar. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Finally, Florence, Italy. We're just talking about things that people do, uh, Easter traditions that, oh, okay. around, around the world. Uh, Florence, Italy, they have a 350-year-old tradition known as Scopio del Caro, or Explosion of the Cart. And that's basically <laughs> what it sounds like. A fancy cart packed with fireworks that's paraded through the street before being lit for a big fireworks display. That's what they do in Florence, Italy. Molina, you got to be happy about that. Uh, yeah, those, that's the north, though. They're weird up there. <laughs> oh, that's true. That is the north. It's not Sicily, and it's not, yeah, they're you're not right. They're not real Italians. They're not Roman. They're not Sicilian. They're just, they're northern Italians. It doesn't count. I love how other people's traditions make no sense, but our own seem perfectly reasonable. <laughs> you mean like filling a basket filled with candy that's right. delivered by a bunny? What's wrong yeah. with that? Right. Like, like, Bill <laughs> Hicks, like Bill Hicks once said in his albums, you know, oh, if God. you're making stuff up, why stop there? You know, why not Lincoln Logs in your sock drawer? <laughs> yeah, why not? What's wrong with that? that? That makes total sense to me. Mommy, I woke up, God, there's a Lincoln Log in my sock drawer. That's the story of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, there you go. It all works out in the end. I was telling the people earlier, when we didn't know you were sitting out in the green room, uh, <laughs> I... Uh, I refer to you as my friend. I hope that doesn't uh, upset you because you, you, you've been very friendly to me. I'm honored, but it doesn't put you in good company. <laughs> you don't have, I have really bad friends, Tom. I want you to know. Right. But I was trying to, I was trying to explain to people that you're flying to Tokyo. Now, yeah. If you would take it from there. Yeah, fly to Tokyo. I, I'm picking up a cruise ship. I, every now and then, I get these little cruise ship uh, comedy trips dropped in my inbox, and the the next one is at the end of April. And I fly to Tokyo to pick up a cruise ship, and we go up the coast of Japan. I think we make three or four stops, and then the cruise ship goes across the North Pacific, not seeing land for six days, and then we stop in Kodiak, Alaska, and that's where I disembark. Yeah. That's amazing. Who is taking this cruise? I have no idea. <laughs> people people apparently who don't get seasick. Is it is it what is it a two week deal? Uh, well, I they are on board the ship all the way to uh Vancouver. I happen to get off in Kodiak because they oh. the, the the people will be tired of my jokes and, and they want to put a new comic <laughs> on. <laughs> Now, do you speak Japanese? I don't, but I was an East Asian studies major in college for a, f a while anyway, so I, I know a little bit. But no, I speak no Japanese. I mean, I speak a few well, words, how? you know, taxi, uh, doitashimasta, that kind of stuff. My dad was a pilot for Tomo Northwest, so we flew over there all the time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So why would they hire an English-speaking comedian for a Japanese Cruise. It's Holland America, so I think most of the passengers are, or at least over half, are English speakers. Oh. And they will go to the over comedy show, are. yeah, and then the others probably won't go. And every now and then they go thinking they should, and then they just hear all this, this whole language they don't understand, and they get up and walk out. 
while you're in the middle of your show. <laughs> you have to leave? Yeah, well, really? if you're a Chinese and you don't speak English and you're watching this guy go on and on and on and, and yeah. he doesn't start juggling or something, <laughs> you think? I suppose that's true, yes. When is he going to get to the card trick? You know, and, uh... it... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, you're right. But, but how do you get jobs like that? How, we need to get David to do this. I mean, how does that happen? How do I get a job like that? Uh, Well, you know, I submitted my stuff to an agent, and then the agent books various entertainers on these cruises. And and if you just do well over a period of time, then they they seek you out to do some of the more exotic trips. And uh, so that is one of them for sure. Uh, Now, I happen to, because my family is English, and uh, because I've traveled quite a bit, uh, uh, I happen to have a handful of material that works for non-Americans, English-speaking non-Americans, but non-Americans nonetheless, and uh, that's what they really like. So I can can talk about Australia, I can talk about South Africa, and so on. So it seems to work for the international audience. Right. I, Tom Rhodes, I know, loves to do that as well. He he actually lived, I believe, in the Netherlands for quite some time. And mm-hmm. he had he, a, I think he Tom did. does that same thing. Yeah, he had a TV show there, I think. He was a talk show host. Right. And you he think, was a talk well, show host in the Netherlands. Yeah. And how would you do that? He just said, oh, you just do what you do. And, and people who like more American-style talk show, they tune in. Yeah. It does help to be an American with a foreign audience, though, uh, versus being an Aussie or a Brit, because... Really? We sound like the movies. Mm. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. I mean, if you, you, get, you have a thick uh, regional accent and you're in front of an a English as a second language audience, they find it very difficult. You know, you, you start talking like this and then they could, and we don't know. Like, and then we right? <laughs> what is he talking about? But I sound no, like true. Jack Nicholson. So they think I must know him. <laughs> well, you do to the. I bet you to them, you do sound just do, like Jack yeah, Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. And Canadians don't suffer. Here's the problem with a lot of American comics who have not left the country before: is they have a lot of local references that don't work. And let's be honest. Oh yeah. A lot of people taking these international voyages, they're not big Walmart shoppers. So if you have ten minutes no. on Walmart, they just what? What are you talking about? I've I've driven by there. <laughs> but they don't they don't really so you can't get too specific culturally you have to think do of, you use the term two four a lot two four i don't know that term yeah. what oh well maybe it's just uh local to vancouver a two four 24 pack yeah a 24 pack of beer yeah a two four it's called a two four mm-hmm. i love the fact that uh, doug sprinthal yesterday who works at walzer automotive group for david uh he had a man come in, mm-hmm. an African-American man come in, and he said, sir, what kind of car are you looking for? He goes, I want to buy a nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Doug goes, nine? Yeah, nine. I want to buy a nine. He goes, uh, what's a nine? He goes, an Electra 225, man. 225. <laughs> I want to buy a nine. So I guess, yeah, you're right. Colloquialism. Right. Local language can get a little a little tough on people. Right. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. David is at Hackney tonight, tomorrow night, 8 and 10, 30 both nights, back in seconds, Tom Bernard Show. I'm here with my real estate agent, Chris Lindahl, and after seeing what he did for me, I asked if he had something that would help our listeners. Chris, what do you got? We have something very special for KQ listeners. April 16th through the 18th, the Chris Lindahl team is hosting our SellerWorkshop.com series, where we're going to teach you how to net between thirty dollars to $60,000 more 
more on your home sale. And the best part is it's absolutely free. So that sounds great, Chris, but what's the catch? Tom, here's what I'll share with you. The number one core value at the Chris Lindahl team is to be generous. I have a teaching degree, and this is my passion to educate homeowners in the Twin Cities on how to sell your house the right way so you don't end up leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table going through the traditional real estate process. So go to sellerworkshop.com for times and locations and to sign up for your free ticket. The seller workshops are happening April 16th through the 18th. Seating is limited and trust me, they sell out fast. Visit sellerworkshop.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Somebody's trying to make me stay. You know I've got to be moving on. Oh, big old Jedi Don't carry me too far away. Oh, David Crow with us, ladies and gentlemen. He is at Acme tonight, tomorrow night, 8 and 1030. And you must have had an effect on uh, on Molina because he was playing like religious music until you got here. <laughs> he, he was doing the he's trying he, to he convert the, people. Yeah, the Good Friday thing he was doing, and now he's just talking about flying on airplanes. And so, well, that's right I, in there. I you know, my uh, my grandfather uh, was a uh, Catholic priest. Yeah, your grandfather? Yeah, I know. Not a good one, obviously, because. Uh, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> well, that's true. So, how, how long did he last as a Catholic? Well, it was it was actually my step grandfather. But what happened is, is he was oh, uh, okay. he was a Catholic priest, uh, but still he got married. Yeah, yeah he was a Catholic priest. Uh, went was a mission was landed it uh, on what, what what was Canada's beach on uh, Juno Beach on D Day. He landed at Juneau oh, Beach yeah. and uh, was a was a chaplain in the army. So he just had a har- army helmet with a cross on there, no gun. That's that's faith. And uh, followed yeah. uh, the troops all the way into Berlin, and then um, uh, given lots of last rites and so on. You know, of course. Uh, and then he went and he was a missionary in the Amazon for five years. And then he said he just looked around one day and thought, you know what? I think these people were better off before I got here. I am not going to do this anymore. And he uh, got a dispensation from the Pope and got married. How about that? Married my nana. From the the Pope? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which was basically a a letter that says, uh, you're still a Catholic. You're just not going to be a priest anymore. You can go get married. Oh. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I know. I wish he'd saved the letter. I'd, I'd put it on my wall. Yeah. And he drove a Cadillac his whole life. Because if you dedicate half your life to celibacy and then you get a... Out of, you know, a free pass. You you drive a pimp mobile, pretty much. That's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep, I see. You don't mess nice. around with a Ford Festiva. <laughs> no. So did you know him well? Yeah, he was the only one I did know. My British grandfather uh, died before I was born, so uh, he was my. Oh, we called okay. him Granddad, and uh, he used to. He didn't get to hold sermons uh, anymore, right? So when he'd come over for dinner, he would use our oh, dinner God. table for that and, and just talk about philosophy and everything. And, and I loved it. It drove my mom nuts. 
Well, but you know, if he's talking philosophy, that probably was fascinating. For it how was. old were you at this time? Uh, all my my whole life, uh, you know, ten up to eighteen. I think he died when I was twenty-seven. So, yeah, yeah so he was mu- great. He must have loved that. I did. I did. Think about when you go to uh, the. I think what do they call it? Seminary school. Is that what the priests go to? Uh, yes. They learn yeah. Greek and Latin and philosophy and history. You learn. Uh, you have the widest liberal arts education you can imagine. So. Uh, he was I went to a super Christian, uh, I guess that would have been a middle school. Elementary. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one, yeah. The yeah. one that you got kicked out of? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and was... they taught oh. they taught Latin there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, I don't. I mean, I guess the idea was to understand Latin mass, but you were never going to get to that point. Not I, unless you studied Latin for like five years, but I, no one's going to do that. Yeah, I took one quarter of Latin. It seemed I thought it'll help me understand the root words of the English language. Yeah, not and, really. You know what? You can just study the root words. You don't have to spend all your time conjugating <laughs> Latin grammar. Yeah, that uh, it doesn't help. No. Well, see, no. when I went to when I went to St. Joseph's, you had to study Latin when it, as a First through sixth grader, we studied Latin and said all the Roman Catholic prayers in Latin. Yeah. The masses were all in Latin when I was a kid. So what does Dominique and Nica Nica mean? Well, Dominique is a name. <laughs> that's really nice. Dominique I think that's Dominique. French, isn't it? <laughs> it is French. Yeah. Well, let's, see. let's talk about the flying nun next, David. What do you say? Well, I know. But the Agnus Dei and all that. Day of the Lord? I, people, honest to God, when, when I say, because it's the, the sign of the cross when I was a mm-hmm. little kid in school was in nome de Patre, Filii, Spiritu Santo, right? People think that's from the exorcist. <laughs> they probably do. <laughs> they might have said that in the exor- exorcist. Well, they, sure. were, swear, they, were, they were praying a lot and praying hard. Well, why are you quoting the exorcist? They're like, I'm not quoting the exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the hell? I'm quoting what I say before I eat a sandwich at school. Yes, exactly. Before I eat my uh, fish sandwich on Fridays uh, at school, that's exactly what I was doing. I, I was I actually to tell you that. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was uh, I was uh, teaching my daughter a little bit about the difference where root words come from in our language, and so we were we were mm-hmm. using shapes. We were talking about shapes. She's only uh, she was seven years old at the time, and I was seeing see the 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 root words of our shapes like pentagon and hexagon. Those root words are actually Greek numbers. Hexagon. Hex is six in Greek. And so and she so we learned this just for fun. I don't know why. We were just goofing around. And then uh, later that week, just by coincidence, her first grade teacher says uh, is telling the students that hex is Latin for six. And my daughter goes, my it's actually Greek. And six in Latin is sex, which is the first thing I learned, of course, because... Because you're a male. Well, I was like 11. Oh. 11 years old. Oh, sex. Totally I get it. <laughs> so that's interesting. Why would they name sex after six? I don't think they did. You think it just, it's a coincidence? I think coincidence? it's a coincidence, yeah. I can see it's why a, the yes, church changed it, though. Yeah. Right? When the, for our, why, why we say six. One, two, three, yes, four, five, why sex. We say hex. We'll go with... But you can put a hex on somebody. Does that does that tie in? Putting a hex on someone. Well, I think getting someone pregnant is a six, little six, bit of a hex. Hex. I see. Yeah, I don't know. I all, that stuff all fascinates me. Why why we do the things we do? But uh, I think you you talking about Bill Hicks and saying why are there Lincoln Logs right. in my sock drawer? Yeah, I, it's 
that's how it all came about. It just happened because it happened. Right. <laughs> and we accept it. It's just weird right. that we do the things we do. I, it's, I don't know. It's amazing to me. Minnesota is the only place I know, and it's because of the Germans who came here mm-hmm. uh, 150 years ago. Borrow me is both to, to borrow and lend. Borrow me a dollar. Oh, no way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. People in Minnesota say borrow me a dollar because in German, the, the word for borrow and lend is the same word. It's lion. Lion? L-E-I-H-E-N? So is it lion? No, it's lion. It is lion? Yep. Yeah. So, hmm. so they say, let me borrow something or borrow me a dollar. Yeah, it's, and I think it's the only place I've ever heard people say that. Hmm. I don't know of anybody else that, that says borrow me a dollar except for Minnesotans. Minnesotans are very odd human beings. You do know that, don't you? <laughs> but we are. I mean, we're just very weird people because we have the German side of it right. and then the Scandinavian side of it. So you have people that, that scream when they talk, the Germans. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, why Germans, when they talk, they have to talk so loud, I do not understand. They're passionate people, Tom. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's like, just calm down. Yes, I understand. I got it. Everything's good. And then the Scandinavian side, they won't talk at all. Right, right. Which is just bizarre. They're stoic, you know, uh, which is another way of saying stoic. emotionally retarded. But anyway. <laughs> well, uh, that's pretty much. Uh, we were just talking about this uh, yesterday or the day before. The, the the jokes that go around. The did you hear about the Scandinavian man who loved his wife so much he almost told her? <laughs> and, and, Right. You hear about the Scandinavian man who was so outgoing he stared at other people's shoes. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, that's just a fact. You you grow up around this up. Now I'm not Scandinavian. My mother uh, was German, mm-hmm. and and so there's a bit of that in there. But but mostly I'm mostly British. I guess British and German. I guess is what I am. I don't know. There are other things mixed in there too. But it's it's really interesting when you look at Europe. Mm-hmm. All those different countries, and they're so completely different, and right. they're right next to one another. Yeah, How does that happen? What I find interesting about Europe is you look at from Scandinavia down to the Mediterranean, in a relatively uh, crowded short distance, you get, you get yeah. compl- uh, a... a uh, first of all, let's just look at uh, their approach to taxes, right? In Scandinavia, everybody right. pays their taxes and expects something back, and then you go down to... Uh, the Mediterranean countries and people are very suspect about taxes and they everything is done under the table and there's lots of sort of uh, tax evasion and corruption and people paying off. <laughs> and what's interesting is when you transfer all, all of Europe over to the Americas, everybody just moves straight across. The Canadians, they pay their taxes and expect yeah. something back. The Americans, kind of a mix. But most of Latin America, yeah. no tax. People don't pay their taxes. They don't trust that they'll get anything back. They feel the government's corrupt and that's why there isn't proper uh, garbage service every day, every week. Honestly, yeah, that, that's <laughs> fascinating. I, you're the first person that's ever ever talked about that, that I've heard talk about that. And you're absolutely right, that Canadians are basically like Scandinavians. Yeah. Uh, American citizens are more like Ireland, England, Germany, Germany. France. Yeah, we're kind of the middle ground and... Yeah, France, yeah. and then and then all of Latin America is pure Greece, 
Italian, Portuguese, and Spain. Just culturally, and especially their, in their, their approach to taxation. Uh, it's uh, there, there's this distrust of the of giving money to the government because you feel like they're corrupt and you're not going to see anything back. So, so which uh, they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, won't. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they're right about that. But they have infrastructure issues down there because of all that, and they they're just stuck in yeah. this kind of rut of of uh, I don't want to s- speak more than that. Simple observation. There's something I've noticed traveling down there. Well, it's so weird to me, and I, I've never understood this. Because when I was a little kid, I, I used to ask people, why are there so many Scandinavians and Germans living in Minnesota? Right. Oh, because it's a lot like where, where they came from. It's a lot like Scandinavia right. and Germany. I said, well, if the weather sucked there, why do you want to move somewhere else where the weather sucks? I know. It makes no sense. They weren't fleeing the weather. They were fl- fleeing famine and well, I understand that. But, persecution. But again, hey, you know, I got a chance to live in Florida or I got a I chance know. to live in North Dakota. Uh, what? Yeah, Saskatchewan Would has never. a huge amount of uh, Ukrainians there. I, I just wonder, did the Ukrainians, yeah. did they land in uh, in Louisiana and just start walking north until they stopped sweating or something? <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I would never want to live in the south in the summer. Mm-hmm. That's pretty hot. That that's, is true. Yeah, quite awful. And, I mean, back in the, uh, before, like, what, 100 years ago, they didn't have a way to generate cool so if right. it was too hot you just had to deal with it whereas well, if it was too cold you just light something on fire and women had to wear like what 45 different garments at one time so yeah pretty much they didn't want to be in the south Can well you? that was in victorian england you know i gotta tell you something you know you talk about that the, the canadians act a lot like scandinavians mm-hmm. uh that let's just not talk about a thing well don't bring that up don't talk about that and just you know keep it quiet Hardly anyone in the world knows there were internment camps in Canada. Oh. And the Ukrainians were put in internment camps. Yep. And that's because nobody in Canada would ever talk about it, so people don't even know they existed. Yeah. There was also I mean, slavery in Canada. There was slavery in Canada, and nobody knows that. Yeah. Don't give out their dirty little secrets. <laughs> well, we're not. We're just pointing out the fact that nobody knows because they don't talk about it. Yeah. Or they didn't talk about it back in the day. Yeah, Catherine and I stumbled upon... Uh, a monument honoring Ukrainians who were interred in during World War II. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. I mean, Canada. it was like, what's this weird little path? Was it the Jasper National Forest? Is that uh, where it was? It's out that way, I it know. Was, yeah. Why? There's I, nothing around it. Why would Ukrainians be interred in Can- what, what were they doing in World War II? I don't know. Oh. They, they thought they were Russian. Okay. Let's I see. Guess. Here we go. Uh, aliens of enemy nationality. Hungarians, Ukrainians, Croats, and Serbs. There so, you go. There just we basically go. Back whatever. when the world was simpler. Yeah. <laughs> Back when the world was simpler, yes. This is World War One. That was World War One. yeah. World War Two also had an internment camp for Germans, Italians, and Japanese. <laughs> In Canada? Uh, yeah. Because, you know, well, those were all Axis powers. Nobody knows that, though. No one knows there were internment camps in Canada. Wow. They know there were tons of Japanese people interred in the United States. Right. Uh, but they didn't know that anybody, there were internment camps in, in Canada, and they were, yeah, World See, War One and World War II. They're II. just pretending to be very nice people. <laughs> they sent 2,300 Jews to a fascist internment camp in New Brunswick. A great idea. Good there move. You know. Because I don't know why. They just well, didn't like anyone. FDR, time. FDR turned away the St. Louis and what that was like 2,000 Jews, wasn't it? 
Yeah, pretty much every country has had internment camp at some point. It well, has. the inventor oh. of the internment camp or the concentration camp was uh, the British. They they invented it during the Anglo-Boer War, but they had the decency to make one of the internment camps for the Boers in Bermuda. And I think... <laughs> oh! Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're yeah, going to intern intern, people... Okay. Give them a nice place to stay. People. Let's go to Bermuda. Yeah, you're right, 4,600 <laughs> yeah, 4, intern there. Yeah, there you go. Huh. We'll be right back. David Crow, our special guest, Tom Bernard Show.